Hi, and welcome to Irish Writers Podcast. I'm Kate, and this week's episode is a conversation I had with writer Roland Evans, who wrote a dystopian fantasy called The Marshland Chronicles. Uh, It was a great privilege to talk to him about his experience, and I just really enjoyed it. So let's have a listen. My name is Roland Evans. I'm 64 years of age. I have slow-moving, slow-progressive motor neuron disease. I'm a covering cancer patient as well, but my life has not always been so stricken. I was born in England and my parents came over to farm in Ireland and lived at various locations before settling down by the banks of the Boyne where they did some small-scale farming and ran a hotel. Then, um, I, as an adult, and we prospered until about 16, I went to two boarding schools, then we ran into money problems. But I squeaked through my education, went to live in London for a year, working in an office, for London for three months, working in an office, and then off to Sheffield to work as a nursing auxiliary, a ward orderly, during which time I decided I wasn't going to be a nurse, but I became a teacher. I taught, I trained in the north of England, and I taught in Birmingham before meeting my future wife Annette on a visit home to my mother in Ireland. Mm. Uh, so we moved, I moved back to Ireland, we got married in 1978. She has a son in her own right. Um, I'm a stepfather to him and then four years later we had our daughter. I was a teacher for 26 years and I left when I got diagnosed with motor neurone disease. My last school was a country school in County Wicklow which I really enjoyed. And it was with regret that I had to leave. I've always had an interest in travel. We've traveled a lot of the world globe together in our summer holidays. I enjoy painting, that's my abstract mm. abstract art. I enjoyed, enjoyed drama. I was dramatics when, when I could, I can't do it anymore. And I also enjoyed, enjoyed politics, current affairs. I'm now a member of Toastmasters, that took the place of amateur dramatics, and we go belong to a Ulysses and Finnegan's Way Joyce Appreciation <laughs> Society, which meets every Wednesday morning to read his work in a local pub. Wow. You wrote the Marshland Chronicles. I wrote the Marshland Chronicles. And when did you begin to get the idea of that, and when did you decide I, I had to write this? Would you believe that it came out of a long weekend of painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great it's, ideas come out of yes. those long weekends. <laughs> it's Genesis. I grew up for, for 10 years, more than 10 years, by the banks of the Boyne, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a lovely wetland area, and every winter the hooper mm-hmm. swans would come in, the winter birds would come in, and we had a great feast for the eyes. Mm-hmm. And then in summertime there were kingfishers. Yeah. So people oh, say, wow. wow, if you see a kingfish, I just took them for granted. Yeah. And we I've never seen sight. one. Yeah. I could tell you where to go and look for them in the summer. And then they drained the boy. Now they did it to mm. in order to improve the mm. drainage of places like Longford and Westmeath. Mm. I didn't know the first thing. I'm not a scientist, I'm not an engineer. Mm. So I don't know how what the purpose what whether it succeed mm. in the subjects or not. I was told not. It was largely a waste limited amount of good for a large waste of money. Yeah. It's a pity because the landscape never recovered its no. former glory after that. So, then came a trip to Brazil in 2003 yeah. and we visited a wetland the size of 
France and Spain put together. Wow. And I thought, gee, there's such a wild and remote place with such staggering wildlife. Yeah. That what would it be like if you had one of these in the Northern Hemisphere as rich yeah. in wildlife? I thought of my own childhood, and they went on a paint a release called Freeing the Artists Within, a painting course, hmm. for a long weekend, where we threw paint at the walls, we did dance, <laughs> we did music, well, we did great. relaxation, meditation, rough work, and then we set to in our paintings. Yeah. And I was fired up and got a paintings yeah, painted, nice. finished, work completed within about six hours so I started writing the story okay. of Marshland Chronicles. Wow. It came out that there was no forward long period of gestation. It just happened. And I thought I'd write about these people um on living in marshlands. Yeah. On 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 on, on decks, on houses with decking mm-hmm. and stilts. And then I thought, well <clears throat> I looked around the world and I said to this planet, in this <laughs> world, it'd soon be targeted. Mm. by somebody for something mm-hmm. and what would they be targeted for and I thought I'd have them getting medicines from below their water yeah. and I'd have them targeted for the water mm-hmm. and so I invented the core, the council of renewal and enlightenment, yeah. <laughs> anything but and away we went mm-hmm. but it's the certain scenes I didn't start at the beginning of the book Yeah. I started with <coughs> chapter 5 the bullying scene Oh yes. where yeah. he's severely bullied, that's because being a teacher and having been to boarding school. Right, I was going to ask... Writing up bullying, yeah, sorry. I was going to ask about the... There's yeah. a very um, strong theme about the bullying. Uh, yes. and And it's very... Yeah, it's it seems like it's a very dangerous place for the the main character, Prince. It's quite a dangerous place for him, yes. Yeah. Because they come from this ritual society long past mm-hmm. where the weak were put to death. Mm-hmm. And there's traces of that. Yeah even though it was stopped as traces of that coming yeah. through. And in the hysteria of the moment, as we've seen with the murder of that unfortunate woman mm-hmm. in England by two teenagers who yeah. seem to have led fairly structured lives, enough, or semi-structured lives, mm. yeah, um, just shows you what society could do. When you take away the veneer mm-hmm. of civilization, so it's he was true. in a dangerous place, yes. Yeah. And as I say, being... Having, being having, taught for 37 years I've been at boarding school for 12 writing a bullying scene (laughs) did not come was not a difficult exercise I'll just segue into the whole the world building you've Mm. you've created this world that's um kind of new creatures like the there's the the bunters Bunters. who are they're they're animals and yet they're insects as well and they fly um and initially I'd created insects stinging large stinging insects and I thought, no, they're not quite interesting enough. So I, <laughs> I, I decided to put a cuddly face on them. Yeah. <laughs> that just came to me, so I just put a cuddly face on them. Yeah. I made them both, and I'm very proud of them. Yeah, they're wonderful. In fact, one reader, I forgot to tell one reader who was reading the book that they were imaginary. He was trying to Google them. He's trying to Google them. Well, so. <laughs> you, do, you do describe them in a way that they have yeah. almost their own, their own character characters in themselves. Yeah. And they're the pets of the day, and pets the, pets. Of the period of the time. Yeah, yeah. I was in it. And as I say, though, the, you know, I just, I love, I love variety scene, variety scene. I'm awe-inspired by mountains and beacons, mm. yes, I'll admit. Yeah. I'm the first to be awe-inspired by high mountains, the wildness. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but actually, to be amongst scenery, mm-hmm. I prefer to be among the quirky and the unusual. Huh. And I love colour. Yeah. 
Yes. And I hate monochromatic scenery. Mm-hmm. And one thing I can't stand are these fields and fields. Maybe it's necessary or not. I don't know. I'm not an expert. <laughs> but is it really yeah. necessary such vast fields of production of wheat? Yeah. Stretching as far as the eye can see. Or rows in Africa, I saw rows of sisal yeah. to make rope. Yeah. Stretching as far as the eye could see. And I thought to myself, is it necessary hmm. to have that hmm. all over the world? Could we not have some <clears throat> break it up? Break it up, yeah. Make it more human, make it on a more human scale. Yeah. And without being a sentimentalist, at least partially reverse the urbanisation. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe reverse the urbanisation of the world. Yeah. Make the countryside somehow a more attractive place to live in mm-hmm. than it is. Yes. Because at the moment, people are, are being uprooted. Yeah, and going to the big. cities in oh, yeah. like Dick Whittington, it's... looking for streets of gold and not finding them. Mm-hmm. So that was struck me in the book as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that firsthand. Yes. With growing up in Kansas. In Kansas, of course. <laughs> yes, you big things. Maybe they're necessary. Well, yeah. Well, and my husband lives in Colorado, so you know my parents are in Kansas City, yeah. and so drive that drive. It's there's, well, I mean, hours and hours of nothing. Nothing, and then you come to mountains gradually. And then you come days. to mountains. And you're That's so happy to see them. <laughs> but why can't... I'm sure the flat scene... I know it wasn't... We can't go back to it, but there must be spaces. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Might name not at the prairies. Yeah. But these are wonderfully wild beauty spots in their own Well, rights. if they had left the wild mm. the wild prairie grass, it's beautiful. It's like yeah. red and, and it's full of colour. Yeah. Yeah. Could we not... Could we not go back? I was thinking in my mind, could we not go back and reverse mm. some of that? Yeah. At yeah. least... So that we have an image of what was. What was. Like mm-hmm. they're doing it now in, in the Botanic Gardens. They were a wild, one or two wild meadows mm-hmm. of Ireland that used to be. Could we not have that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I, I've been inspired by this marshland where there's colour, there's variety of plants mm-hmm. and flowers and insects and everything in profusion. Mm-hmm. And not being a learned scientist and an imaginary planet is much better. Yeah. yeah. Because you can make your own rules up. You can. Yes, and I did. And you did, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, and you also have... It's a, a very vibrant, yeah. rich culture yeah. to it as well. Um, how did you come up with these rituals? And the, there's rites of passage even. In well, I suppose I was inspired by rites of passage in... Well, we have them in our world. Even with, if mm-hmm. you go to church, there's rites of passage. And even mm-hmm. if you don't, sometimes institutions have rites of passage... Mm-hmm. And then in more earlier societies, in societies way in the Amazon, they have rites of passage yeah. for teenage boys in particular mm-hmm. and girls, the African, some African people, some South Americans, maybe some p- yeah. parts of Europe for all I know have these rites of passage. So I just mm-hmm. blended them into the, I blended them into the, into the, yeah. into the book. I thought they were important. Yeah. And they formed a character. He, mm-hmm. Then this is Prince's rite of passage. He's the main character's rite of passage, mm-hmm. coming, but not in the way he expects. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting how it all unfolds. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't read the end, so don't do any spoilers yet. Yeah, I won't so... spoilers. I won't even ask you if I got all at the end. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wanted a diverse world because I love it. Even in a city too. Yeah. A street which curls around and shows a little mm-hmm. mysterious alleyway. Yeah. Secret passageways. Secret Garden, you know, mm-hmm. it was a wonderful book, I thought. Oh, I yeah, I loved The Secret Garden, yeah. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It was the one book where a girl as a hero was actually really enjoyed, because mm-hmm. I was very much into male books oh, and male yeah. comics, but that was an but exception was, to the rule. Yeah, definitely. Because of its very secretiveness, mm-hmm. 
And so I wanted to just to imagine a world. In my world, I could imagine my own world of colour. And of course, I'd read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I wasn't going to do a pastiche version of them by any means. Sure, sure. So I tried to create my own vision. And after my holding, after the painting course, this is what came out. Yeah. Piece by piece. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's also the element of music and this yeah. idea of the music, communicating yeah, the with music. Yeah, the music was really a, a storytelling device. Mm-hmm. I had to find some way where he could... They didn't have telephones or mobiles. Yeah, yeah. So I had to find some way of <laughs> not cheating exactly. They have a tactical device where they could communicate. Yeah. With each other. And I thought, why not music? I was told the number of chords is ridiculous by someone who's a musician. Can't have these number of chords. Well, well, this is. But there you go. It's a special reason. It's a special world. It's it's your world. You do here. You can here. Yeah, and And then. then, He was able to eavesdrop, you see. He was able to read. He's very to read to music. Read anything. Yeah. That's the point of it. Yeah. And it's it's interesting how it kind of unfolds in these kind of almost haphazard. He happens upon. Yes, a haphazard way. Haphazard way. Actually, quite a haphazard way, but just coincidental way. Coincidental way, yeah. Just enough enough to save his world that he's living in. Mm -hmm. There's one scene that really stands out to me because it's the the scene where the bunters and the insects all they they fly into the air, and then there's the sound. The birds come. Yes, you know, I was actually inspired by reality for that. Mm -hmm. I was inspired by two things. First of all. I read that America, before the white, the, the European settlers, I won't mm-hmm. say white, that's very 60s, mm-hmm. before yeah. European, yeah. Uh, people, poor people crossed the Atlantic mm-hmm. to, to, to colonise, recolonise or conquer America, whatever way you put it now, mm-hmm. there used to be mounds of carrier pigeons that blackened the sky, mm-hmm. covered the sky. And by 1914, the last one was killed, and I found that in the Illustrated London News. Really? In yeah. my hotel, I thought these great big books. Last, the American Caribbean was made extinct. So, coming back to that, I was out here one, two decades ago in that garden mm. one evening, at the end of August, and I saw some flying ants, and they went up, 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 and out from nowhere, a flock of seagulls appeared. And they had their and meal. And they had their meal, <laughs> and away they went. Yeah. So I thought, multiply that by a few thousand, bring in your carrier pigeons that yeah. The American colonists wiped out. Mm-hmm. Bring them back in from somewhere. Yeah. We have we have another visual scene. Yeah. And then just have them bring them into the ecological system. <laughs> You've got beyond that chapter, haven't you? Mm, just beyond that just, chapter. Well, you know then that they're dung fertilizers. Yes. The whole... Yeah, that, that was the part that really <laughs> struck me. So after they've eaten, they... of course, what's been processed comes out. Comes out. And um, they actually get the buckets to because it's used as fertilizer uh, yeah, yeah. and or they it's they just yeah, slap yeah. it into the marsh slap it into the marsh on the top of their houses and it goes down and enriches the soil and the next bit of rain washes it down into the soil and yeah the ecology is as simple as that yeah and actually I had a close call today uh, yeah. I was walking across the street and just stopped and a bird dropped just message, dropped yeah, its yeah, message yeah. right just inches from me message, and I yeah. just thought of this. There was a little boy who yeah. <laughs> actually was covered it in your book. Oh, you describe yeah, him, he didn't right, know yeah. whether to cry or laugh. Or... <laughs> it was, was a really great he's, scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's covered in slime. Yeah, he's covered yeah, in so it. So exact, one exaggeration, I want to give the world a sense of awe. Yeah. I couldn't invent Lothlorien or some sort of 
big towers. They can vent that. Yeah. It's basically it's rooted in what I actually saw by my vision, sure. my own eyes. What has been the biggest challenge? Well, the biggest challenge, well, MND, once writing. I got diagnosed, it actually forced my hand in doing something about it because I actually had okay. confidence. I had no confidence that it would, apart from a few close friends and family, would actually read it. Huh. That's what I was thinking. But when I got diagnosed, that's quite simply. Initially, yeah. I was told I had three years to live, you see, that was 2010. So well, I thought about yeah. it. Then, then I've got cancer, diagnosed cancer, and then I got diagnosed cancer. It all happened. Wow, within, in the like, same... Frogs in the most the same year, year. yes. Well, just a slight spillover. To, sure, yeah, yeah, So I thought, well, by the time I recovered from the cancer, I knew I was going to live beyond three years, but not sure how long. <coughs> I thought, well, it's better, better to do something about it. Yeah. So that hastened up the process of editing and publishing. Sure. But even then, I was nervous about publishing, but I certainly had it edited. Yeah. Um, and that, that hastened the process. But, mm-hmm. but the, when I started the book in 2003, I'd never even heard... Well, I'd heard about a new disease, but I had a clue what it was. Yeah, you didn't... No, it was just a illness. Hmm. I knew, knew someone else was interested or was involved with people hmm. with motor neuron disease, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. At all. Do you have a, like a support ne- network of other artists, other, or family that <coughs> helped you to... Well, I had. To get it... I belong to a group called Writer's Block. We had a small writer's group called Writer's Block. And I had a fellow published author was there who sort of encouraged me. Okay. And yeah. uh, that was the support network. So I braved, after about five years of writing, I braved putting some of it forward. And the feedback I got was initially, right, okay, it's a lovely visual world. You can make a film of it. Mm-hmm. By God, the writing needs something done with it hmm. to make it a, a good readable story. Mm-hmm. You need to show, not tell. That's sure. you need to act and that you need to develop your character in a different way. You made far, far too negative an, a print of him. Huh. So I had to go and take. I was delighted with the criticism. Yeah, sounds like really good mm, feedback. Yes, really good feedback. Yeah, yeah. And so I set to and started rewriting as I was writing. Hmm. Oh, you rewrote as yeah, you wrote? I did, so I started rewriting bits of it and then... Okay. Well, my writing improved and then I looked back at what I'd written earlier. Yeah. And shook the plot out and shook it down. Mm-hmm. And how, it out. How many rounds of edits did it take you? Now, you see, well, then it took me about, say, three or four rounds before I sent it off for professional editing. Mm-hmm. And I sent it off there. And that produced a whole other shakeout. Oh, I bet. Yeah. But what really surprised me was that I'd made very few continuity errors. Yeah, and the errors well, that's were, good. Well, some in quite a lot in grammar, but mm. largely in, in style and, 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 and most questioning of my right. motives for characters doing things. Mm. So I had to sharpen that up mm. quite a bit. And so the editing process proved quite in, in, in an eye-opener for me because I didn't realise that when you were someone was editing your work that you've kind of formed... Even though we never met, we spoke really twice on the phone or mm-hmm. three times. Someone developed a relationship with the editor. Yeah. That you got involved. So, in other words, she had two jobs, a difficult job. You have to brutally be honest. You can't be like a teacher, gently encouraging yeah. and coaxing yeah. all the time. You have to be brutally honest. There's something rubbish you've got to say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you've got to form a fine balancing act between encouraging your writer and not deluding him. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry. That's why I said him was me. Mm-hmm. So, if you go too far and being too honest, someone might give up. Yeah. 
if you go the other way, you get them into delusions of their action. And much that doesn't, than they are. doesn't really work. improve the work. So you've got to tell the truth, and yes, the Do same at the end of the process, hope <laughs> that someone is still writing. <laughs> yeah. And she did that well. She did that. So she, what happened was, I said, oh gosh, I feel weighed down. She'd say, no. She'd send me an email with all hmm. the good points in it. Yeah. And then sometimes I got cocky, said, do you enjoy editing this book? I hope you enjoy it. And she felt us getting cocky. <laughs> yes, she said. It's much more interesting than translating Russian tractor manuals into English. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. It was, actually. Yeah. But I was getting cocky. It was as simple as that. Yeah. You know? so, <laughs> it showed it, it a subtle judge of character. I was really, I really appreciated that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so she kept me on board somehow and kept me on the stream. But she was just saying, it, what the rumour says, you far and undervert this plot far too much. I don't understand why he did this. Okay. I can't understand why he did that. Mm-hmm. And so forth. And the only disagreement we had was when our hero does something okay. that she didn't approve of and mm. I did approve of. And I just had to, we had to reach some kind of juxtaposition. Yeah. Where, I won't say what so, happened, you might no, guess I won't, the spot uh, yeah, uh, yeah. when you get to it, where, mm-hmm. where the character performs his role. Mm-hmm. In a certain way, Prince performs these in a certain way that okay. I think yeah. satisfied both of us. Hmm. How do you come up with names? Names I left to the very end, really, mm-hmm. because I knew I had to, go to give names to the characters, and I made up all kinds of names, mm-hmm. and then I just revised them because they one after another, both my writers' group, yeah. people who read initially read it, plus the editor said change that, change that, change that, change that, change that, so. I changed them, changed them more in the end, yeah. which actually had very strange effects on the printing process because I was still changing them at the very yeah. end. I'd okay. forgotten to change one or two yeah. names. Yeah. So I had a character called Ivor and I had a mm-hmm. character called Alec. Then mm-hmm. I thought, how many Alecs have I taught in my life? Because how did I leave that name in? Mm-hmm. So I'll change that name and I decided to call it Arnard. Mm-hmm. And I changed the name Ivor to Rovi. Mm. Now, when it mm. came to the first proof read that came out, it came back. I suddenly realised in the proofs, I saw the word Sarovi instead of survivor. Oh, no. Yes. And people yeah. speak in different dialnards. And dialnards. Dialect. <laughs> yeah. So you had to ring them up and they say, mm. it's not our problem. Oh. It's your computer. But we have yes. your card number. We can charge you the $80 to put it right. Hmm. To self-publish, the process is full of hazards. So the names, really, I decided to choose the names to fit the landscape as far as I could. And I could okay. pick, I, picked, I ran out of ideas. There's so many characters. I ran out there of are ideas. many characters. Yeah, I ran <clears> out of <throat> ideas. I thought because too hackneyed if everybody was called um, Mallard or Drake or mm-hmm. Corngrake or something. <laughs> yeah. So it was too dramatic. Mm-hmm. So I led the fact that Outsiders had something to do with their family genealogy, but yeah. by and large, it was formed by the background they were in. So, mm-hmm. people of the field, the fieldlanders get names like Thresher and Corncrake, mm-hmm. woodlanders' names like Oak and Beam mm-hmm. and so forth, mm-hmm. Beach, more or less. That was yeah. how it was done. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. And the wise it's... man of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Who else? <laughs> Who else? Oh, yeah, Solomon Drake. Yeah. Solomon Drake, yes. Yeah. But I left the name of the, the cook more or less as a sort of real name world, leaving it open where he came from. Mm-hmm. 
you know, just wanted to leave it open as to what his real background was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a few like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing too lengthy. No. <laughs> <laughs> like too many names to choose. Too many names to choose. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. I find in, in fantasy fiction especially, you have license to really just call your you, your, you have. your characters. But whatever. I felt that if you, everybody's name is totally different. Mm-hmm. And it can, no, well, no, you can actually, because Tolkien did it. Yeah. But so he did. He changed every single name, made them imaginary. Mm-hmm. But uh, but nonetheless, some of his place names were were not too different. No, the, especially around the Shire. Around I mean, the Shire, things yes, that... they had roots. So mm-hmm. I thought some of my names better have some roots somewhere. Yeah. Taught anyway. I could I could have been more adventurous there. Still. No, I no, I think it's fantastic because. Yeah. As I write, I find it's one of the most difficult things. Difficult things. So that I, was running out the of names. Ca- I was running out of names for characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, what do you tend to read? I tend to read a great mixture of mm. books. Every genre you can think of a sample of. Yeah. Not every genre. It's tell a lie. I don't read romantic <laughs> fiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put it that way. Okay. I read crime. I read some fantasy. I read. But not much fantasy. Because hmm. I was spoiled by reading Tolkien, you see, first yeah. of all. So nothing matches up to that in my mm-hmm. view. Um, history, I love history. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of the inspiration of the book came from writing history, from being imagining sure, yeah. what life was like in the past. And I was trying to have an idea landscape, mm-hmm. but based in the past on that planet, without the gore and horror. With that sort of medieval yeah. standard of living, mm-hmm. was a time that you'd have had to on this planet with disease and plague. You wanted to make them better off and more comfortable yeah. than that, and I did. Yeah, yeah. In a period of time, but history certainly formed history, the background. Yes. So I, I like history novels mm-hmm. and political code politique. Yeah. And I like some travel books. Pulled through as my, if one and only travel to one of my favourite travel writers. Mm-hmm. So I love my pretty well every genre. Hmm. Did you have a favourite book growing up? Um, one of my favourite books, you believe, was The Secret Garden. Okay, yeah. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Because it's the very nature of an outsider gradually gaining acceptance. Because mm-hmm. I had to do that at boarding school myself. So yeah. on two different, two different board schools, gradually gain acceptance. Two different environments. Start at seven and do it. Mm-hmm. And start all over again at 14. Mm. In different schools. So... I was very much drawn to that book. Um, I was into, as a child, very much reading The Knights of the Round Table and Robin Hood. I obsessed about them. When I wrote my own yeah. tales, any detail they left out, I put in. Because I, I want to make it really complete, so that's what I was, Yeah. That was my favourite. And then, of course, I loved my war comics. Mm-hmm. And the Beano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as a child, it took me quite some time and then around 13, 14, 12, 13 I read Dickens mm-hmm. and would you believe I liked the Bible and the reason I liked the Bible is I loved the stories in the Bible because mm-hmm. the only subjects I did were in mm-hmm. school were ones that involved stories so history obviously and scripture religious knowledge because mm-hmm. that involves stories mm-hmm. and I loved writing stories in creative writing they were called essays Yeah. and I loved writing them but very little else I enjoyed doing at school I didn't Enjoy languages or maths or science because in those days it was more theoretical. Yeah. Or or geography, doing with 
They were not stories, so I didn't story. enjoy them as much. Yeah. Maths is a disaster area. <laughs> so that pulled me down in a whole range of areas. <laughs> yeah. What have you learned from your writing experience? I've learned from the writing experience that... Um, I think one of the most... I was trying to think about... I was puzzling over that question today, <laughs> trying to come up with what I've learned. Well, firstly of all, it's a great deal much... Apart from the obvious one, it takes a great deal more effort yeah. than you initially think it Definitely. does. Mm-hmm. That you've got to be self-critical, uh, as well as going others to judge your writing, but to, to judge yourself. And I think that you've got to also be continually surprised by who actually likes your work or doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had massive surprises. Yeah. I've had, you know, women of my own age or older say how much they enjoyed it. <laughs> and I've had people, the youngest readers age who's enjoyed it. So I'm actually surprised by what it appeals to people. Mm-hmm. And what, pe- what people draw meanings out of certain characters you never knew exist in that character yeah. yourself. Yeah. So you also learn you really you leak some of your psychological Definitely. makeup into your book. Into your book, yeah. You're not doubt. That's probably the most valuable lesson. Hmm. So in that sense, you have to be a bit careful what you write. True. I told one friend of mine, I said, I know you're a dream woman now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I said, you let it spill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I told you this in an Indian what the dream woman was, a person would know who I was talking about. Oh. Him or her, so I won't. Well, him, no, no, no. <laughs> So I won't, but uh, you know, I found out his dream woman, without doubt, oh, yeah. from his book. <laughs> from his book. So God knows what I leaked into that. <laughs> I leaked something, so you have to just be aware of that, that you're mm-hmm. putting your psychological profile in. It is, it's a very vulnerable... Yes. Um, the characters are part of you, and the, yeah. yet they're not you. No, they're not. But, uh, yeah, it is very... Um, Vulnerable. Ah, and I suppose, it, I suppose yeah, and putting down putting the it out there. How much I quite like putting violence in. <laughs> well, <laughs> why I was very much drawn to Game of Thrones when it came out. Oh, yes. Yeah. Violent. It, yeah, I've, I've read all of those. Out, yes. I've read all of them. Yeah. Um, I kind of skip over some of the very violent bits, though. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, okay, that's enough yeah. of that. But uh, uh, Martin, George R. R. Martin said uh, there's kind of two kinds of writers there's the architect and the gardener yeah well, I, I somehow Would, think I'm a, a wild meadow writer, a wild meadow writer so that probably puts me in the certainly not an architect no no not in a fit because mm-hmm. the book evolved it started with that bullying scene yeah and I didn't know where I was going to go with that okay from there I just knew that these people living in marshlands on stilts mm-hmm. and, uh, and and I didn't know where to go from there and only gradually after evolving a threat from them, the book would gradually evolve. And I, I worked um, from the out in, in a way, rather than from in out. Okay. So you didn't go chronologically? I mean, no. I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know where to start. Hmm. And i tell you where I wouldn't know where to start, because at the moment I'm just starting, just in the very first stages, of doing flow of expression of writing letters to my grandson. Okay. It's ten months, just starting it. I've known that I haven't touched it for months, but I did get a flow of consciousness mm-hmm. when he was born. <clears throat> and just what, what life was like in the 60s mm. and growing up. And just, you, I couldn't design that. Yeah. I just have to write it down then. Yeah. Go through the torturous process of weeding. <laughs> so I, I'm not a great gardener, and it does most 95%, 98%, 0.4% of the gardening out there. 
<laughs> I've allowed myself 1.2. <laughs> and uh, but in, in, in literary life, I'm definitely a gardener because mm-hmm. I plough the fields and scatter and mm-hmm. I go in vigorously weed. Yeah. So I'm definitely a gardener. gardener. Now, what advice would you have um, for a writer just starting out? First of all, you've got to mean what you say, what you mean, mean what you say. I say that to public speakers as well. Hmm. See, that's something you really want to write about. And you've got to really enjoy doing it. Yeah. You've got to be passionate about what you're doing. And if it bores you, write there's certain stages in your writing where you've got to be a slogger. Hmm. But if you're not enjoying it in the initial phases, even if you're writing half-baked, whatever, if you're not really getting involved, um, I'm speaking to the gardener type of writer, I suppose, rather Ooh. than architect, because they're built with slightly different sure. pat- writing patterns to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're different. But, uh, they've got to really enjoy <coughs> constructing or writing the story mm-hmm. in, in the bit. They've got to prepare to, to keep at on a very regular basis, as mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. I, when I was working, I would do a, you know, do a school work or what I had to be done before about seven o'clock in the evening, eat a meal. Mm-hmm. I'd go in there for three hours. <laughs> so Annette became a writing widow. Because I was in there from <laughs> seven till ten. And then on Saturday, yeah. in summer mornings, I'd be up early. Okay. So around six. And quite six a number o'clock. of mornings and, and write. And would you write all morning? Or, no, no, or... I would have to go to work. But okay. I'd get a yeah. bash an hour out quickly. Sure. And I'm off to my best. <clears throat> best time to write actually if you could make yourself do it mm-hmm. for me but I couldn't always make myself do it and then the summer holidays when I returned from travelling was a great opportunity mm-hmm. to to write mm-hmm. all day if I wanted to so I got large amounts done there yeah. and when I retired the rewriting could be done because when I was retired despite the yeah. associated health problems mm-hmm. I could get on bash on and, and, and do it so you've got to make time for it enjoy it be honest in what you say, be yourself, mm-hmm. and commit yourself to doing it, even on the days you don't feel like doing it, so you're doing some amount every day, even if it's 10 minutes, do something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's great. What's the best advice and the yeah, worst well, advice that you give? I don't know about the given. worst advice. I think the worst advice was given by myself, myself. So this <laughs> is actually quite good. <laughs> 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 Keep going down that road you're going down, mm-hmm. when obviously I needed to abandon it. Hmm. I've had a number and not really good, good advice, otherwise it wouldn't have happened. Hmm. The best advice is starting in the writing process very subconsciously. was done by my English teacher, it was given by my English teacher when I was 10. Okay. He was a big burly man, <laughs> uh, with a, quite a short temper, but a very, very good teacher. And uh, he was in a cheesed off mood with all of us. So we'd, in those days, you weren't. It wasn't creative writing, we were given a title on the board yeah. and told to write about it. And mm. then he'd go through how you should have done it. And there was always one or two people in the class who could write really well templates. So there was that stimulus. Anyway, we were told to write about a day at the seaside. Now what child hasn't written about a day at the seaside? <laughs> so I, he held up mine. I got up in the morning, I ate my breakfast, I ate boiled eggs and toast. And we made our picnic and we got into the car and we went to the seaside <laughs> and we ate tomato sandwich and cucumber and we went for a swim. Then we had some cake <laughs> and then after we got it and so on. Anyway, to cut a long story, he just went, he read this out in a mocking tone of voice and he went, glug, 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 glug. And he threw the book wow. back at me. He did. And he says, I don't want an account of what you wanted did the day. 
I wonder how it felt, the, the sunshine, the sea, the atmosphere, the heat. And I then realised, he was saying, he didn't actually use the words, show not tell. Show not tell. That was it. Hmm. And that was the advice I'd remind myself over all the years I was writing. And then, hmm. when I was, because I enjoy reading things out, I enjoy public speaking. Okay. I got some very good advice from... Uh, from someone in the writer's block. And he just said, Roland, now he said, you've read that book, that story out, and you've dramatised in your very dramatic voice. To truly evaluate this book, you're going to have to take my really dull voice <laughs> and get me to read it out. And then see what people think of it. And? <laughs> and that's what he did. He did. And it didn't sound the same. Mm. And the thoughts come yeah. bubbling up to the surface, like scum rising to the surface. Huh. Really good. Get someone else to read out your work. Out loud. Out loud. And that then led me into my own piece, sort of self-editing, followed on from that. So what I did then, I followed it on. So what I did this was I read a piece to myself quietly what I'd written. Mm -hmm. I read it out loud to myself. And then you can't always have someone to do it for no, you. No, you can't. But So then mm -hmm. I would then go to a write of the same genre. So I went to Tolkien mm -hmm. and I read a piece of that to myself. I read that out aloud, mm -hmm. closed, and then went back to my own. And that's okay. I really recommend to any writer. Pick the master on the, the submissive or the, the, the superb craftsperson in your, the area you're writing in. And read yours. And read yours. Read theirs. Read theirs. And then read, read yours. yours again. It's yeah. painful, but it works. Yeah. It really works. I th I that's that's genius. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I am going to try this. I'm because I got tired of saying, "I tried persecution." What do you think of this? What do you think of this? Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's only so so. It really works. I'm going to try this. It, it's the one way, the only way you can be half honest with yourself. Yeah. Because you're reading yourself to yourself. You just you can't be unbiased. No. So I was pleased with myself discovering that. Yeah. Work. Well, really well worked. done. We will pass that on. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and I will try that. I, I, I have a few books in mind that I will do that with. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it really bucked me up. Well, that's okay. our time for that's today. Time, yeah. But um, yeah, thank you so much. This has yeah. been wonderful just hearing from yeah, you. I'm sorry, and my yeah, sorry. Just looking forward to getting, finishing your book. Thank you. Uh, okay. Yeah, a warm thanks to Roland Evans for sharing his rich experience with us. If you want a copy of Roland's book, The Marshland Chronicles, the best way to do it is to go onto the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association website at imnda.ie and visit their shop. Uh, the book is on sale for 15 euros and all proceeds go towards the IMNDA, which directly benefits Roland. So thanks again for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish Writers Pod. Visit our website at irishwriterspodcast.com or drop us an email at irishwriterspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Bye.